Welcome to Season 3, Episode 31 of the Practical 365 Podcast, with me, Steve Goodman, and, as always, Paul Robichaud. Hi, Paul. How are you? Hi there, Steve. I'm great, man. How are you? I am not bad at all. I'm doing pretty good. Um, it is a lovely Monday, as we're recording now, and we've got quite a lot on the show for you today. Uh, I said that, I'm joking. We've already got three three big oh, items, no. <laughs> but they're, they'll take up uh, most of the show because they're quite interesting. Well, we'll make them. This episode might be a little relative scarcity. You know, for those of our listeners who are not you working with companies that are based in the UK or in Western Europe, we're starting to get into holidays. And one thing I've noticed is Microsoft more global. Yes. 15 or so years, everything was driven from pace releases was dictated. But as Microsoft more global, this sort of European summer slowdowns all where during the summer, in Marquette, uh, sometimes news is a little slow moving. And I think we're maybe in one of those doldrum. Well, um, the Microsoft have just ended their financial year, uh, which it shouldn't mean a lot to most people. But it does usually mean that they start planning for what's coming probably after they went on. The- and what's coming at the big shows like Ignite and setting all the priorities for the things that they are going to put front and centre over the next 12 months. So what they might want to sell you. Uh, or you might be looking to implement if you work on the, the consultants. Yep, that's a very good point. I always forget your changeover strikes through an odd time. Microsoft is not the only company to do a changeover of fiscal year July 1st, but they're one of the only ones. And sometimes I forget. Well spotted. Uh, uh, well, it's it's important because we've got the the big Microsoft partner conference. So the partner um, conference is called Microsoft, and it used to be a big, big event uh, that people would go to. Uh, Towns like Las Vegas and so on. And uh, that'll be the, the, the where uh, people who are partners go and uh, wine and dine with folks, plan out what they're going to be focusing on. And uh, there's less of that, I think, these days. And it is more about Microsoft giving out. Uh, and it's, it is important if you are on the customer because you're going to see from that what Microsoft are going to think and be ready for you to use. Most important, because... If they're saying buy it and implement it in the next six months, they do think. Uh, and and also you can infer when you're talking to Microsoft partner, or uh, are they are they talking about the thing that's important to you, or are they talking about the thing that's important to them? Because often yes. those do those are those are often aligned, right? Because your business is probably asking for AI, and of course this year, guess what might sell you? Well, mesh for teams. No, 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 <laughs> not yet. Anyway. <laughs> Well, they want to sell you that, but yes. it's really interesting to triangulate and look at Gartner is telling, exhibiting at their conference about AI and about what Gartner. So, so Gartner events, their audience are primarily CIOs, other C-level people. And they're asking a lot of questions, AI, but it's all around the business. What, yeah. Why should I care about it? Microsoft's what in the product management world we call falling in love, And they've sort of decided, hey, <laughs> we're going to make you demand AI because Copilot be so you just can't possibly. So we'll have to see. Yeah, you're right. They're gearing up Inspire. We'll see there is the changes they make to incentives for partners for the Microsoft internal set. It's a really good picture of things that they give the best rewards to partner and seller pushing or obviously uh, they want to try to drive consumers. Yeah, so so this year the boards won't really be based on AI or um but yeah, but well um a partner for some as usual. Uh, and that is that you know, that's a most partner who do. But also whatever side then this is it helps the soft partner understand how they can uh run in this because you don't want to be for your customer. Um and it ever so slightly different from what Microsoft will be telling them. And that especially when there's two or three of accomplishing and they're both 
all equally valid, then understanding this is definitely well. But AI is it, it, it's something that talking to X at a micro, it's definitely something that it has to provide value. People can see in things like ChatGPT the value of it and what it possibly, and it inspires them to think about what it could do for their organization. Now, Copilot's going to have a lot to do, but you know, just having ChatGPT chat for your own business on its own is not necessarily all it's about because the things that people are having eyes to do and make are usually things that directly relate back to business. So there is that coming together of the generalist sort of co-pilots. You do things on the software side, the solution, and then solving a business problem. And that's that, that's specific because, you know, isn't it like your secret source rather than an off-the-f solution? Using it to do something unique for the business. Well, I mean, Microsoft isn't really proposing, as I understand it. They are proposing to do that for pieces of the business. So, for example, if you look at Viva Sales, Sales Copilot or Copilot, for they call it, the ability to do you know CP you know, price quoting stuff in the demos that they show a customer quote come generated by Copilot with just a couple lines of text. Yeah, that's specific to the sales role. But the, I guess the understanding that system has of your specific business is going to be by whether you've done a good job of setting up dynamics. So if you have completely consumed the Dynamics Kool-Aid, you have a product catalog, the pricing, quoting restriction, quant- quantity price, then the system can use it to give quotes exactly you do. Um, if you want something, your business maker of the UK's finest widgets. I just read this fascinating eject, eject, the history pioneered by the British company Martin Baker. Mm-hmm. If you're Martin Baker, co-pilot understand what makes an ejection seat from a love seat. Yeah. Right? You can do that yourself, the Azure mini company. Um, but in any event, all this thing about, because you don't know what it's going to cost when we're going to get it, Microsoft is clearly going to try to encourage people plan to, to budget for when we don't know what the budget like. I think it's going to be expensive. I think that's a... You know, if um, if ChatGPT any pounds and to get anything useful out of it is going to cost you about, I don't know, an hour uh, per thing you're trying to do with it, um, or the first, you know, the, then Copilot, if it is as it you know proposes to do, it understands one your day, two the application, three the context, and is able to automatically create things in the platform. Uh, so creating a document in itself is not that's not part of the the same. It's not something ChatGPT does for model does or anything like that. Those are all really complex automations that sit off the back of it and the semantic index, the way that it's collecting the data to then throw into the model. All of these things are not easy to do. And doing it in a general sense, 6.5 is... So uh, if we look at the partner conference, you are absolutely right. You know, the sessions about how Microsoft think that... Uh, and this, they are right. We're doing this... For, uh, that you build industry-specific solutions that use OpenAI... Uh, that on the platform and integrate with the rest of the suite. Uh, I've not looked at all the sessions, but I bet you there'll be a point where Microsoft say, use the OpenAI service, build co-pilots to, to go into Microsoft 365 as well. You know, that there'll be all that sort of stuff and framing of the, um, as the, the year goes on. But as you say, the ejection, it's building something, understands that, and then can produce accurate uh, intelligence out the back of, of the unique that you have as knowledge of a business is the hard bit for that specific task. The partner sort of the on-ramp tell its partners what it thinks. Of course, we pro-focused shows. We've already had build focused mm-hmm. on the MVP summit, so nerds like us. So we'll see what they do at Inspire, and that'll be a better platform. Make some guesses, announce, or talk about Ignite. Yeah. Uh, 
Microsoft Fabric will be another thing uh, that uh, came to comes to power but includes a collection of, of other but mostly services. Um, so one like OneDrive to a data um, as a pre-plugged-in platform for storing your data, and then a, a variety of different uh, Carver, Automate, Examine, Analyze, bring in automatics of logs, uh, and then be able to like, co-pilot automatically plug some of this together in Power BI that focused up-to-date data. Um, so that's going to be uh, as well. The Microsoft naturally going to push. There's not as many sessions about that, but that fabric piece, productizing the data platform, making it easier to use with Copilot, adding in some really nice nifty, um, a data warehouse that has a data, a data lake that has links back to the source data shortcuts, like for the exchange, shortcutting or stubbing in um, right. in your archive <laughs> to save importing the data. Um, no, that that is it's kind of, it's niche, but it's niche in terms of skills. But everybody needs uh, you know that, that people are still doing business like it's two thousand and five. Um, so that's going to be a yeah. No, since we like to touch on application, I'm not saying it's been sort of a desert of new things since our last episode. Ooh, there hadn't been a lot. There are a couple of things. There's th- there's a whole bunch, and uh, most of them are like a, a new button um, in a in someone um, or button that works now uh, on you know on the long list of, of things that we were, were looking uh, that didn't quite make the cut. Um, we've got a couple that worth pointing out though, and um, pity I've not got stereo, or maybe I should maybe when I make this up we can go stereo. So if you just step to the side, Paul, um, for a few moments, we've got right, spatial. We've got spatial sound coming. Um, or it's, yeah. it's it's arrived in my work client. And it's it's in my work client. I can turn it on. And it does change the audio tone, meaning you're talking. I flip the switch and I flip it. But I do hear some different sound output. Uh, but it doesn't seem desktop stereo. It doesn't seem to give me spatial cues. Mm. That may just be lack of my part to draw from. I, I was thinking about this earlier. In my airplane, I have a, an audio pan or an audio mixer that mixes together the signals from all the navigation equipment, and it supports spatial audio. So in my headset, the primary and secondary radio and the primary frequency each radio all appear to come from different lists in space. And it turns out, for example, if I'm listening to a weather broadcast, air traffic control calls me the other radio. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to, to understand tell coming from different spatial look. Same thing if you're at a party, you follow physical look. Spatial is supposed to, I guess we'll have to see seen it be valuable yet but. it's it's especially useful if you the screen or you need disabilities that that concept you're having a conversation people introduce them and maybe if the same um or you can identify them instead of being blue where they're speaking um yes now when you were talking about spatial sound and when we just uh the show you said that also you know that when you're using this, it moves around like a not a virtual headset, a reality headset. Where when you move, then with some of this spatial, it's supposed to move. So if you move closer, you'll hear it more closely, and that that sort of makes sound makes sense with the concept. But all of this sounds like 360 degrees audio on my Sony head, surround sound in my home, and um, all those all those other things. But it's or it's just stereo separation and the sound state. And it sounds to me this is just the stereo sound stage in front of you where. It is. Where you've got, if you're listening to the Beatles in one of their first stereo records, then back uh, what is now, what, how many years ago is it? 50 years ago, um, releasing records where if you had stereo speech, you could hear different things happening across that. And it sounds more... Yeah. 
We're not going to be doing a pantomime in uh, teams where somebody behind me. I mean, let's hope not. The goal is to spatial audio cue reflect where the speaker's positioned in your gallery. If you've got four or five or 10 people or 30 people all in your video gallery, you ought to get some there left. Or, and I suppose Microsoft could do some near or... Well, three six would be able beneath and all this. So if it's the, the gallery it knows and can see the resolution, then it should be a put um, somebody in a specific position based on the height. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll have to play with it in a big me. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have to do One thing I know documentation is that it doesn't currently work with Bluetooth audio devices. So if you have a Bluetooth speakerphone mm-hmm. or Bluetooth earbuds, Bluetooth headset, you won't get this to be part of why I noticed any drastic. It's worth experimenting more checkbox along the way to giving us immersive experience. We were joking earlier about mesh, mm. but being able to more audio with increased spatial resolution in a mesh environment and immersive meeting space is important yeah. um, to increase. The fit. So I promised I would not say M word and I'm not going to, but Good. for immersive environment, but that's, that. and it's not a big feature, um, but it is kind of like a big feature. Mark all is red for your team's activities. Yes. Yes. Uh. I'm actually excited, but many have found, besides me, mm-hmm. I'm in a bunch of yes. and for some of those channels, I don't genuinely care about getting notified time someone presses them. And Teams does have control stuff, but one thing that I cannot turn off, it drives me bonkers, our support teams shift to schedules yes. on call rotation. And every time they change their schedule, I get it in the channel where those schedules live. I can't leave the channel that's scheduled, but I really don't want to wake up Monday morning and you know, 50 notifications that so-and-so published a new work schedule. So now, finally, God, I'll Click one button. And um, it's it's growing across the suite. Um, and we mentioned, I think we mentioned in Outlook, uh, also came at setting where you are. Uh, and Teams as well. I think I've seen this in preview already, where you can set you, you can set at work, home, stuff to work in, um, on the day. So not quite right. um, Microsoft uh, Space yet, which uh, we're quiet about for a while. Uh but it's, it's a step in the right direction. Are you in an office? It is. It is. The the one thing I still wish for, mm. I can tell, and thus, the rest of this, whether I'm working for But as far as I know, they're in a good way from office. And so I can say that I'm at home or I'm at work. But if I say that I'm at work, I'm in Dallas, my Copenhagen, they're going to an impression and wonder why they can't find me in the Copenhagen office. And vice versa, if I'm in Krakow, you know, two other offices. So an improvement, not quite finished in terms of usability, more complex. But... They need to and just get rid of the out of office and change it completely and just strip it out of all the clients that use these and replace the signal with with makes sense for the modern world because out of office, which office, you know, business clearly grown right. um, and people work across different offices. We're not the days of everyone works in one branch office. He never meets anybody else. And also the the whole rest of the products are designed to break down those barriers. And yeah, no one, it's not one of those things like Teams notifications that no one ever knows how to do properly or agrees on. You know, where you've got some people who go and put out of office on um, when they go in the office because they're probably not going to be available while they're in the office because they'll be in meetings catching up with people. They won't look at their email. And then people who are working from home have been religiously setting their out of office because they're like, well, it's what it is. It's what it's supposed to do. It's, you know, it makes absolutely no sense today. Um, so maybe they combine all of these little features and that Microsoft Spaces thing with something that uh, that moves the lever. Because if you want people to adopt setting where they are, then change the big lever everybody uses to say they're yes. on holiday and come up with a word that means you are not working, which is 
Isn't that what out of office is supposed to really? Stop well, me. when you think about it, you know, Microsoft, they originally, not original, a few years ago, status working from another location. This was well before they added an additional state along with free, busy, out of office. But they never did anything. That seems like that would have been a lot. That's a logical hook to say, I am working. I'm doing what I do. You expect me. That would be a nice intermediate step. But I ultimately think you're. they're going to have to quit trying to do Band-Aids for all the individual places, your location, yeah. and where your work state be exposed. Knowing what they about hybrid work and what people want to do and what work you know, 2023 and forward, let's just tear off the Band-Aid, redesign mm. it for the world that we're programming. Yeah, because I think automatic replies or replies, that's not it's almost like that. The amount of people that just use it auto replies once is so limited. Um, yes. You know, in a general outside um, being away only, I the out I just it, it boggles um, <laughs> because uh, how long is it since Microsoft could work from <laughs> two thousand and the like the deck on seven? Now you can anywhere with it. Yes, because we had instant message integration, OWA, and you know you could with live communication server, your phone calls could follow you. We had all these all kinds of capabilities. But yeah, really being delivered in the first the first time, and you could go someplace your office and still have voice and video and dub sharing, email, and I all mean, those things. people have even forgot this this whole group of um, you know Gen X maybe or whoever they were um, people who are addicted to Blackberry, Crackberry, and all that stuff. Yes, and, you know a generation of um, so what's after the late millenn- late millennials and Gen Y? I which, no. X, Y, that, there's a Gen Z, wherever the Gen X kids were, uh, or the Gen Generation X, X's children were, who grew up in the well, mid to late 2000s, um, had their parents sitting on the sofa playing on Blackberry and work before people had smartphones every day. And um, like that, that world of like, how many people put this out of office on and say, um, oh, I'm, I'm working today, I've just got limited access to email. I mean, right? Uh, who even believes that? Like, where? What you mean? Are you in a cave? Uh, you know, if you're on a plane, you've still got access to. You can you can have your messages read to you and reply to them in the car while you're driving. Uh, every train has um, has Wi-Fi on it. So where's this limited access? You could people. Sh- I can't be bothered to answer my emails. Busy talking to people in the office. Or that right. would do because that's the truth <laughs> for me at least. Um, tirade over. Uh, move on. Um, Bad things are happening in teams, and um, someone wants to send you a message with more than you bowing, I hear. With some bads, yes. So wrote an article about this for Practical, um, and it's interesting. It highlights a couple things. So one thing is that sometimes security researchers find they report them to Microsoft, and Microsoft says, well, actually, it's supposed to work. Or in more polite line, feel like the reported issue meets the bar. And so yeah. that's a case. This case, security research company called Jumpset figured out subvert policy mechanism to send people malware in a federated chat. And this is really, it's a combination of, by default, Teams chat federation. So unless you go change it, any any user of the Teams can send your tenant. Now, there are a lot of good reasons, desirableing and so on. But the fact is, by default, that, that's issue number yeah. Issue number two, I can modify the policy, the Teams server to a client in such a way that the client is able to evade risk. So and the way that I think the, the way that I think of the go ahead. Well and, and when we were talking about this earlier, I I I, I was a somewhat uh, as somewhat confused as to how this could actually work. And the bad bit we'll come to in a minute. But let's say there's a scenario where you are um the PA to the uh, CEO of um Robishaw Industries and um I want 
uh, as an attacker. I'm pretending to be um, someone in your finance department. I've set up an account with a head of account's name, uh, found on LinkedIn, and you've got open federation. So I start a chat, and um, you don't think anything of it immediately uh, because do what over email, like a business threat, using the federation or external yeah. chat, and we're chatting away. And I say, right, I've got this uh, important thing that you need to have a quick look at, and I send you a PDF. And I'm able to do that because the client has uh, received a set of instructions from the server that say the team's client must work. And yes. as an attacker, I can use an application, Fiddler, uh, which every Skype for Business expert has probably used before, something like that, to alter this policy manifest and add in a field to say I'm allowed to send files to that person. Exactly. Even though their tenant sent me, I change it. And the server, this is the bit I didn't get, the server lets it through. Right. That, that to me, when I think about this, very much like me telling my, now while I am gone, you absolutely parties. Or post a letter to all the robbers saying, don't break in. Right. I, um, here, is a, the, here is a signed slip to say the door's locked. Well, I, w- I wish that in this particular <laughs> But there's no lock on the, the actual problem, door. <laughs> right. Part of the problem is the client doesn't uh. attempt to validate authentic and untampered. The bigger part of the problem, as you point out, if the client ignores it and sends something supposed to, I think the server would block it in this case it does. So that was the part that security responded. We don't think this is the bar resolution. That's usually code yeah. for a couple thing is this is not actually a problem. Another thing, it's a problem, but it'd be such a nightmare for us to try to fix quickly. We're going to pretend that it's not a problem. Um, I think in this case, it's a mix of both. Microsoft's position seems to be if I use that policy mechanism and I send you a file in a federated, ch- even though this, the policy says not, and that has malware, then don't worry. I'm sure you use Defender, but, and it's going to protect that malware from doing anything bad That's if you not, open it. That's, well, this is, as we know, not everybody's got things or, or wants to buy everything. Right. Um, that be said as well, you know, and some people, some organizations prefer um, the egress for files to be other, for, such as email and maybe not everyone's got the E5 license either. And, um, I mean, you could send a link today to say, click on this, which again, work. It's it's a horrible gap though, isn't it? Because as a application vendors can't um, do like they could with Exchange and insert their code server side or, or similar to give you that other option. So right. where there's no other option, buy the thing from Microsoft to help protect the thing that they sold you. Um, it's kind of like a weird gray area isn't it, where... What's the value to Microsoft in leaving these kind of gaps open? Well, there is an intermediate, which is you can turn off Federation. And that has its pluses. The pluses limits this. And you can still Federation selected options. So, which for example, at work, and for, we're federated with Microsoft. So Microsoft we should probably, me. I'm going to interrupt you. We should say, because um, there will be people listening who, do, who don't know that. Okay, fair enough. So, that, um, But then but, they're, they're, this, they're basically not guessing. Right, you can turn this off or you limit it to specific domain. Mm-hmm. And that does help. Because there, if you, if the, if the attacker, unless they somebody from Microsoft to an account in the Microsoft tenant, they can't send me the right part of the problem. Because literally anybody can throw away trial account, then anybody can pretend to the old spear phishing. Yes. Hey Paul, it's your boss, and my backup is I'm locked out. Can you please yeah. reset my password? So um, this is this is not world change. No, it's gaping vulnerability, but it is it's core know, advice it is worth knowing about. It's, but the, uh, my, my call uh, on LinkedIn, securing my covers the same thing. You've said the same thing many times. Everyone says do it. Um, but well, I say everybody. There are people who say, well, must be open. And then there's all this, let people do what on stuff. Uh, where some organizations do say, 
well, ask to help people with their own disease. Um, I mean, I don't think the cure is your <laughs> but they, they probably know we would just uh, just handle personal customers. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yes, but, they, but you should do that and other things. If you haven't, if you haven't limited, then I don't know what's going on with. If you've got a great reason for not doing it and why you think that's, that's bad advice and everybody's open, then let us know. When we say these yep, silly would, things, no one lets us know. And there's thousands of you listening. Down. Absolutely. And speaking of locking it down, mm-hmm. we need to lock this station down and get ready for the 4th of July holiday here in the States. That's about oh, all we've yes. got time for today. Well, happy holidays. And, Thanks. And uh, thank you, uh, as always, everybody, for joining us on today's show. Yep. We'll see you next time. Subscribe wherever you get your great podcast. <laughs>